I'm still trying to name it, but anyway, <laughs> we've got two guests here. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Ladies first. Hi, my name is Sabri. Um, I do a lot of things. I'm kind of an entrepreneur. I help run a studio. I have my own music and stuff. Um, that being said, I just want to do any and everything that I can to touch the world. So. Okay. Um, it's your boy, Dugout on the Beat. It's not my real name, but we're going to go with that for now. I am a music producer. I also am learning audio engineering. And I am also becoming a content creator overall. And similar to Miss Bree, I am trying to touch the world with whatever knowledge that I can provide, whatever wisdom that I can provide. And, you know, just trying to create a utopia that we all wish to live in one day. Cool. Yeah. Now that you let us know who you are, let us know a little bit about what you do for work. I guess you guys can consider yourself millennials, mm. mid-20s? Yes. Yeah. Cool. So for work, I guess I'll start with it. For work, right now I work in health administration. But right now I'm just working, you know, for somebody. Eventually I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be able to fund the way that I live for myself and be able to work from the comfort of my house. Because one thing I've noticed is that there is not enough time in the day, especially with a job, to accomplish all the great things that we want to do. So, you know, I'm working at a job for now and I plan to be an entrepreneur. I agree. Since I was little, I never felt like I was supposed to work for somebody. I always felt like I was supposed to have my own business and not to toot my own horn, but I have a lot of great ideas. I think one of the biggest things about being an entrepreneur and learning about business is to always be coachable. Mm -hmm. I think people get to a certain spot sometimes where they think they know everything and they just, they're not coachable anymore. And once you're not coachable, you're not growing. Yeah. So um, I think that's one of the biggest parts. I just want to stay coachable and keep having these ideas and keep my young mind, you know. Kind I think of a lot of people don't realize that you, can, you literally never stop learning. Ever. You know, even when you're past 50, 60 years old, I taught, that teach dudes in my job stuff every day. Like there's older dudes, you know. Sam. Uh, hey, uh, I can say his name, Henry. <laughs> he's the older dude in my job, super wise, super old, you know, he's been through a lot, but you know, you can still learn new things every day, whether it's perspective or it's like, you know, something you can physically do. Um, so that's one thing that I'm also learning yeah. about the entrepreneurship. Cause, okay, yeah. just brief, yes. where were you born? I was born in Rochester, New York. So um, I was kind of, you know, my mom fell in love with a guy. <laughs> That's how it. That's how it went. You know, when my, when our parents make decisions at that age, you just be going with the flow. Yep. But honestly, I think it's one of the best things that ever happened to me. Um, I went straight from the ghetto into the suburbs. And a lot of people don't know that about me because when I say it, they'd be like, "Oh, well, you don't look like your ghetto. You don't you don't talk like your ghetto." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I feel like that's a stereotype you don't have to adhere to just because you come from the hood." Mm -hmm. Well, do you think ghetto would be where you're from? I definitely think it's both. I definitely think it's both. And one thing is, I, I do believe you can take the person out of the hood, you can't take the hood out of the person. I'm st I still definitely, I'm still very, very much so street smart and aware because what I learned there, it was for survival. I was always in survival mode and I didn't realize it until I came here and I didn't have to be in survival mode anymore. Like people thought I was weird. <laughs> like I remember having my first, yeah, like they did not get it, bro. I remember I, my first day of school, really people kept staring at me and where I'm from, you don't stare at people. So I was ready to fight everybody. I was so feral. I was like, 
what are you looking at? <laughs> like, I was just ready. And people were just like, uh, people just do that here. People just stare at you. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Suburbs like that. <laughs> and I think the ghetto is more actually of a mindset than it is a physical thing. Yes, it is. Personally, I think so. It is. I think especially for like light-skinned people and light-skinned women, sometimes people try to be like, I have to prove that I'm black, so I'm going to be, you know, the stereotypical version of whatever I think is a black woman or a black man. Like, I don't really care about that. <laughs> I'm just me. And if you don't like that, then if I'm not your cup of tea, don't sip, okay? <laughs> you just tell me, you talk white. And I always rub me the wrong way, even when I'm middle school, high school, right. I'm like, I'm talking, what how my that? mom taught me how to speak, you know, so, um, yeah, those stereotypes are huge as far as all that, but, but, yeah, I mean, I've heard that before as well, where people think because you're a particular ethnic group that you can't be articulate. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me upset because then that means we are making intelligence synonymous with being white. And that has nothing to do with it. But one, one of the things I am grateful for that I see our generation doing is that we're kind of destigmatizing that. Like when I was younger, um, I was a weird girl in school because I like to watch documentaries and read books and stuff like that. Nowadays, it's not like, I don't feel like kids get put down as much, but also I'm not in high school, so... Who knows? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> the internet. <laughs> right. Kids are freaking mean, bro. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny that you speak on that because even with like people saying you talk white as that. Remember the movie Airplanes where they're talking jive? Yeah. You know, and how they were aware enough that black people and American black people can speak a certain way to where even other people can't even understand, but mm-hmm. we can understand each other. They call it ghetto. So it's kind of like a stigma that they placed around the hood or, you know, people from certain areas. And, you know, I, I still think that's fascinating that we can create our own languages from others, like from others and, you know, communicate how we do, but it still gets demonized, which is crazy. It's that code, it's called code switching. Yeah. There's a time and a place for everything. I talk to my friends in a private setting differently than I talk at work differently than I'm going to be talking in this podcast. That's the mom putting on the white voice when the principal calls the house. <laughs> right, and then giving you dirty looks. You know, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, okay, you said you were born in New York. Um, I was born in Silver Springs, Maryland, but you know that was short-lived. I was probably there for like a month, and then I moved to St. Pete, Florida, and then I grew up in Tampa. So ultimately, Tampa made me who I am. Tampa and partially Orlando for college. Okay. Have you done any traveling? I have. I love traveling. I haven't been out of the country yet, but I love to travel. I before COVID started, I was traveling like every couple of months, and I realized it's something I really like. Also, my family they live in New York, and then some of my friends live in different states as well. So I was going to New York, and my sister lives in Georgia, and I was going to Colorado. I was just kind of seeing what's out there and. You know, having fun. I noticed that women love to I travel, <laughs> but women be traveling, traveling. And I don't know what it is, but, you know, I've been a few places. But, you know, it's more so there's an event going like, you know, brothers football game. Uh, a few places. My mom's in the military. So, you know, I've went. I went to the Bahamas finally, but I was on a cruise and everybody has fun on a cruise. So I just wanted to do that. But just going up, planning it, and just randomly going places just to see if I want to live there. I've never really traveled like that. So, so would either of you agree that the possibility exists that women travel for pleasure 
Business, yeah. <laughs> I definitely. Absolutely. I mean, in my limited experience, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, I travel for both though, but definitely travel for pleasure for sure. Well, when I look at like travel, I'm like, I look at the like you said the cost. What were we talking about before the? What is that business term? Yeah, exactly. I look at all of that. Like, what am I gonna get from going to this place? What is the point? If I don't have to leave, why should I spend this money to go there? And then, you know, I talk to women about it and they're saying, you got to live life. You got to enjoy it. And it is, you do get some kind of euphoric feeling mm-hmm. from traveling that you can't get from sitting at home. It's like everything you do when you're on, on a trip is like, is way better. Uh, as long as you're not doing the same things you do at home, basically. But it's just different. It's a different feel. So I understand that aspect, that aspect of it. And I'm kind of getting in tune with that aspect of it as well. So... But I would agree, yeah, men travel for business, women travel because. I would say one comment I have towards that is that um, it's proven that women think more. Women think all the time. Uh, Me specifically, I literally, there's not a second of the day that I'm thinking. And when I'm going to sleep, I'm still thinking. So vacations for us, it's like, what is the cost of your mental health? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think a lot of people take care of that enough. So for me... I realized that it makes me happy to travel and see new places. And not only that, but I am an entrepreneur and I want to start businesses in different places. So I want to scout out these areas as well. So when I go there, yeah, I'm going there for pleasure, but my eyes are always open for business opportunities. So yeah, definitely think that that's a fair assessment, but. But it's not, you know, 100% one way or the other. Yeah, no, right. Nothing's ever that black and white, that cut and dry. Okay, speaking about entrepreneurship and businesses and doing business, you know, within your country and worldwide, let's talk about education. I believe education can come in many forms. College, being self-taught, or technical schools. Do either of you have a preference and why? I don't have a preference. Um, I think it would be arrogant to even say that, like, oh, my way of learning is better than your way of learning because everyone learns differently. Everyone has different goals when they are learning. I think that whatever you can absorb is like, whatever knowledge you can absorb is valuable in any aspect. Um, I agree with that, um, that we all learn differently. <laughs> well, I forgot who said it a while ago, but you know, you, a fish can swim way better than a monkey can swim, but a monkey can climb a tree better than a fish can do that, right? right. So depending on what environment someone's in, I think that affects the way they learn more than uh, more than anything. Personally, I didn't do well in college. I DQ'd out of UCF my first year because I'm thinking it's going to be like high school as far as the setup, the structure. Mm-hmm. You get there, you know, the bell rings, you go to the next class, da da da. Like it's almost like an industrial complex type of mindset and like a worker mindset. And but in college, it's more free range, free, you know, free will, I guess. And I wasn't ready for that at all. So <laughs> for me, I guess the best way that I started learning was, uh, I guess, self-teaching. I taught myself how to make beats. I taught myself how to audio engineer. And I had to find a comfortable way to consume the information because I didn't like 400 people classrooms at all. I'm a hands-on, one-on-one person. And I never knew that until I was thrown into that situation. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess <laughs> my way of learning is way different from someone else that speaks to Bree's right. point. I mean, I I definitely am self-taught. Like, even though I'm in college, um, majoring in what? I am majoring in chemistry. 
Um, yeah, I'm a chemistry major. I love chemistry. Honestly, personally, I wouldn't go to school if I wasn't going to be making six figures when I got out because it's kind of a scam otherwise, in my opinion. If you take my opinion. Out, yeah. But I was saying that when I was younger, my dad used to tell me, like, look, you're going to be in situations where somebody, somebody is responsible for you or somebody's responsible to teach you something, but ultimately you're responsible to get that knowledge and get whatever you need from the situation. So every time I'm in a class, every time I'm in anything, even when I was in high school, I always was a self teacher. I always had to go on YouTube because I, I want to know every, the why to every little thing. And I'm also very hands-on. So I need to see what's going on. Like I need to see these chemical reactions. I need to see why this molecular structure is similar to this one, but they don't work the same at all. Like things like that, like I need to see. And um, our classes aren't as big as like 400, but there is definitely a lot more students than in high school. I also had to learn how to stand out so that, you know, manipulation, so that I could ask my teacher for when I needed extensions and stuff like that. If your teacher doesn't like you, if your teacher doesn't know you, they're going to stick to the syllabus. If you don't go to office hours, if you're not sitting there first, if you're not raising your hand, they don't care. You got to build a good reputation. Now, that's one thing about college that they don't teach you in high school. They don't. A lot of these things, they don't prepare you for college as well as they should, in my opinion, because I didn't know where to go. There wasn't no school counselor. I mean, they did have places on campus for that, but it was just such a big, it's a big entity just thrown at you. And it's like, there's so much to do here, so much that can go left or right. And um, yeah, if you don't build that relationship with your professor, then you, you, you might, you know, you might not be able to get help exactly when you need it. And um, you might not be able to get that one-on-one -on -one training. Best thing I ever did in statistics class was go to office hours. No, not for real. And my stat teacher said, you know what actuary is? I'm like, no. And she was like, that's a statistician for the government, basically. And she saw some of my test scores and was like, oh, you should really consider trying to go and take the actuary test. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't look into it back then. I still, you know, I still have my statistic notes from that class. Because that was the one class I felt like I was like a beast and it just, everything just made sense and it made you feel good about yourself. And, um, but yeah, office hours and just utilizing the resources at a college campus are huge for anybody going into it. So. And you're paying for it. And you're paying for it. So, okay, so I love scholarship. Being a college educated person myself, what do you think school would have been like for you if you couldn't research on the internet using YouTube? Ooh. That's basically what I had to go through. Right. YouTube wasn't like, we're young, Gary, but <laughs> <laughs> this stuff is still pretty new. <laughs> the YouTube and the, uh, the resources at our hands in abundance is still fairly new. So in 2011, when I went to college, you can look up stuff on Google, but it just wasn't like, you know, everybody wasn't doing that. So I, I mean, it would be how it happened. <laughs> I'll DQ again. <laughs> I'm done. But yeah. Okay. For me. Let's ask, let's ask this question before you respond. Okay. You like knowing the answer, the why for everything. Mm -hmm. So in terms of pursuing whatever you're pursuing for education, mm -hmm. what is your why for pursuing chemistry? Initially, it was because I was just really good at it and I had a passion for it in high school. Um, I was a kid that stayed after class. I, I always had a lot of self-discipline because my parents were really young. And so we had adult responsibilities. And back where I live, if you don't 
listen, you could die. So I always kind of had that self-discipline. I was a kid that would stay after school. My chemistry teacher loved it. She was like, oh my God, like you really want to stay here and learn chemistry? And I was like, yeah, I need to know why this and this and this. And she was like, she would just stay there for hours after school, just notes all over the board, just teaching me how things work. I loved it and it made me feel important. I think that's important that people feel important. Chemistry makes me feel important. It's an important component in biology, everything. which is the study of life. But it's like, it's, it's important to everything though. Like literally, you, if you wanna make clothes, you need a, you need a chemist. Material. If you wanna make skincare, you need a chemist. You wanna make a car, you need a chemist. Anything in this world that you need to do, Medicine. you're gonna need a chemist for it. And I feel like that's a great way to touch the world. My passion is really water. I think that at the very basic, everyone in the world should have access to clean water. And so one of my goals when I graduate from college is to join water projects and start water projects all over the world so that people can have access to clean water. I wanna create something that can kind of molecularize water and you know i'm sure they have something that already pulls water from the the atmosphere but i want something that can do it faster and do it so everyone can have access to clean water it's crazy because you know we at one time or another before all this industrial stuff happened and everything was modernized we all had the same access to whatever water earth gave us and you know whether we used it properly and you know cleaned it and did whatever we did to it. I don't know, between then and now, somehow we've limited, like we have access to the waters now. Like people control who has access to the waters based off of their class and whatnot. And I don't know between then how water became monopolized, basically. I think that's crazy. Yeah, here's the question. We both live, or we all live, in a county that I believe has made it illegal for people to catch rainwater. It's true. That, that's a fact. So, living in a country that tries to capitalize and monetize almost everything, what are your thoughts on how you can achieve your goals and dreams mm -hmm. while fighting against a machine that wants to charge you for your product? A product that they're getting for free. Right. And they don't really listen to science. Right. No, I want to um, say that that's always been an ongoing struggle between you know people trying to do actual good with science and the government. The government is like a mafia, <laughs> like for real. Like That's the biggest gang out there. <laughs> for real, like if you do the wrong thing, like either, look, man, they will really come after you. But the thing is, if we can collectively come together and do something, nine times out of 10 is gonna get done somewhere down the road. It just, it has to. As far, I think it's completely ridiculous that I'm not allowed to catch rainwater. But that makes me wonder too, what they're putting in the atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you've ever seen it. You think but they're trying to prevent us from getting something so they're not letting us catch rainwater? Or you think they're just trying to, like we said before, sell the water? I think it's a combination of that, of those things. But also somebody like me, I wanna test the water. <laughs> I wanna see what's in the water. I wanna know what chemicals we're drinking. And I think, I think they're afraid of that as well. I think they're afraid of us realizing like, yo, these chemtrails in the sky are, yeah, exactly. I was gonna say are this, this, and this. Like, like and clouds, basically. <laughs> no, like for real. Yeah, cause that's the, I mean, when you talk about due to COVID, traffic specifically in LA went mm. way down 
So the air quality got better. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So with less of, you know, those gases in the air. Mm -hmm. CO2 emission. I didn't think of that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, is, that affects the water. Yes, it, it does. It comes from the heavens. I mean, it's cool to let it rinse off your car, but to put it in a bottle and drink it is something different, especially knowing whatever's in the air, Needs the water is capturing it mm -hmm. by the time you get it. So put it in one nice big bubble. Mm -hmm. With what you're trying to do with your life, your education, the experiences you've been through, the traveling you've done, mm -hmm. your desire for entrepreneurship, for both of you, how do those things affect and tie in your desires as far as relationships on a professional and personal level? Damn, that was a big question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, can, I know. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, because I got to... You got to think about it. No, um, I mean, I... I gotta hear the question again. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically, you're asking, what does my life's work? How is that going to tie into my relationships? Yeah, because I mean, you have desires. Of As course. An entrepreneur, you're going for your education. Let's say you meet someone who's comfortable doing what they're doing. I can't. I don't ever want to be with somebody who's comfortable. I learned. Uh, but men are. That's our men are comfortable creatures so i'm gonna tell you right now <laughs> no but i don't just mean comfortable as in like you like to be mm -hmm. peaceful not ambitious you mean i mean somebody right i mean somebody who's comfortable in mediocrity i'm not saying mediocrity i was just i'm just specifying understood but let's say you because he said well, that's subjective. let's say you mean it is it is with what their profession is right let's say because that's another issue that we haven't even touched right where back in so they already have a career or they could be pursuing something. Let's say that this person. Okay, <laughs> I'm confused. School, no, let's say they're going to school to become a mechanic. Okay. That's what they've always wanted to do. They do that, they finish their education. If you're in a relationship and it goes for X amount of years, mm -hmm. they finish their education, they get a job or open a business doing what it is they want to do. And they're good with that. Yeah. They don't need to fix 100 cars a day, they're happy fixing two. Okay. I mean, but they're still financially stable. You can still go out and have a salad or steak, whatever it is you want yeah. to eat. And you're comfortable with that. But you, being the ambitious person you are, are constantly more and more and more and more and more. Okay. But it make you look at your partner different if they're like, you better knock yourself out. I'll be here when you get back. No, no. Um, my thing is, in my limited experience, I've only been in a couple of relationships and situationships. Um, I don't really have a lot of time for all that. But from my personal experience, if a man is happy doing what he's doing and he's secure financially, mentally, physically, and spiritually, then that'll work out. But if he is insecure in any one of those areas, it's going to affect me. And I learned because people often project their things onto other people. So for example, the last situation ship that I was in, I was just all around kind of doing a little bit better than him. I was making a little bit more money than him. I was making a little bit more moves than him and he felt inferior. So he would try to feel superior and other things. And I'm a very submissive type woman when I am in a relationship with somebody. So I want you to feel confident, but I can't make you feel like a man and I can't give you happiness. That's something that you have to give yourself. I want to add, I always want to add, but to plant it in you, I can't do that. Only you could do that. I always want to add. Hey, listen, <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> that, they were, they were talking about that a few, uh, about a month ago with Carrie Hilson when she tweeted that, how she's- What did she tweet? Basically that she's conditionally 
feminine for the right dude. And the dude's counter argument was that you can't really, there's no on or off switch for masculinity or femininity. It shouldn't be at least. And men don't have the option to switch off our masculinity when it comes to women. It's like a dude only becoming masculine when the girl starts to act right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And when you kind of think of it in that sense, they wouldn't, you wouldn't let dudes do that. I mean, you wouldn't let heterosexual dudes do that, I guess. And that's a whole different argument. But in general, it's like when it comes to femininity or whatever, you know, like it seems like nowadays a lot of women want the finished product. They don't want the dude who's on the way to the finish. I'm not saying you at all, but a lot of mindsets, ideologies seem to be, I want the uh, the prize at the end of the tunnel instead of, you know, going through the, the gauntlet to get there and... You know, I, some, that's just something I observed with it, but mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with the answer to the question you asked, so. But, but you, for, you sorry. your response, again, based on what you've been through, what it is you're looking to do with your life, mm -hmm. how has that affected you in terms of relationships? Well, for me, since I haven't been, like, I've, excuse me, Glenn, like, um, I... I ain't gonna lie, for a while I've been indecisive on exactly one thing and the, the one thing that I finally like, that finally helped me get structured with all this was when I started making beats and doing music, audio engineering, making money from it. And I realized that I could sit in the studio all day and do this. And you know, not nobody do whatever. You don't care how much you love something, you're gonna do it for free forever. Like we're in America, you got shit to pay for. But this is the one thing I can do that I have no problem doing all the time for the rest of my life, or at least for the next 40 years till I get old and then want to do something else. Um, so it affected it because when I would go into a relationship, and maybe it's my fault because, you know, I would, well, I'm a dude. I look for certain things in a woman before getting to know her, and then you get to know her, and it's just like, damn, she just wants this and that. But um, when you don't, when you are at a certain place, uh, it, it doesn't feel like, like, me personally, I don't date if I'm not in a certain space mentally, or financially, because it costs money. Like, you want to go and have fun. Um, and recently, I've been way better with that. But overall, I haven't committed to anything because I feel like I haven't been sure of where I want to or how I want to get to the end goal. So I know where I want to be, but the path is still very cloudy. And that makes it very hard to uh, just kind of just, you know, stick with one person or to uh, be in a relationship nowadays because a lot of the females that I've met seem to be superficial with the guy as far as like what he has going on. And they, even though they'll go with these dudes who seem to have a lot going on, they don't have, and they, going and on. They don't have nothing going on or the girl's not happy with that dude. Cause so basically more, more, I feel like it just needs to be more of a compatible thing on a, on a, uh, you know, person to person level. And women say it all the time. Oh no, it's about his person. If that was the case, there would be a lot more, you know, happy relationships. You you wouldn't be worried about a dude being, you know, this or that. Like short dudes get it the worst. <laughs> short dudes get it the worst, and that's one thing where it's just like he can't control that. You know what I mean? Like I could see you know overweight or underweight or you know bad skin or stink breath or something like that. That's something that's in your control on a day to day basis. But being short, a girl being you know tall or having this skin complexion or you know whatever. They can't control that. So I think if people stop being so, you know, superficial with certain things, then a lot more people will be happier and mentally healthier. And they'll feel more accepted, you know? So um, it's affected mine because I've been unsure. And so I know it takes certain things to maintain at least, you know, non-platonic -plat relationships. And um, yeah, man. 
So do you think social media yes. has an effect on how yes. you deal with people and how they deal with you? Of course. I wanted to reply to something he said really quick. Okay. Um, I, I had a debate with somebody, a woman actually, about how body positivity is not the same for men. And um, I think that's kind of, that's like really messed up. Like, and not only is it not the same, but I feel like men, when it comes to body positivity are way more disrespected. We get disrespected more than women? As far as like body positivity goes. Oh, being, yeah, yeah, for sure. For I sure. would definitely say so. Like women try to kind of, you know, and I like that women have come a little bit farther to where we could like uplift each other no matter what we look like. But at the same time, um, and especially black men, um, I think that, you know, just like what he said, like if you're short or you can't change that, if even if you, you know, whatever it is with your anatomy is something that you can't change. And I definitely think that people, um, that women can be very superficial on that level. And, um, I mean, even myself, like, I'm not even gonna lie. Like I like tall guys and I, I mean, you know, we all have a preference. Well, because I'm a tall girl, um, I'm, I'm almost 5'10". So I'm a tall girl and I'm not a skinny girl and I don't plan on being a skinny girl. While I do plan on getting in shape, a, a lot more in shape than I am now, um, I'm just not a skinny girl. And I feel kind of out of place when, um, you know, I'm standing next to somebody who's kind of like smaller than me, but at the same time, um, you know, we all have a type, I have a type and nine times out of 10, I end up falling for somebody who's completely opposite of my type. And I'm okay with that. And I'm not going to make you feel bad because you're not my typical type. If I love you and we're in it, we're in it. And that's just how I feel personally. But I know everybody doesn't feel that way. Some people are like, oh, you're not my type. I ain't gonna look at you. I ain't even gonna. Yeah. You know? Um, Men have it harder. <laughs> it just, right? It just depends, you know? Well, so as far as the social media question, I would say that, because it ties into what you just said, um, social media has created standards for people instead of people creating standards for themselves. Period. And so, <laughs> and so I think that uh, they say that people at these companies, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, have social engineers is what they call them that create these, you know, mindsets for people, these ideologies for people. And it's basically disconnecting people from nature. And by that, I mean, like you said, you, naturally, unconsciously, you want a taller dude because women don't want, they want to feel protected. Being around someone bigger than you feels like you're protected. Okay, this dude's going to watch out for me and all that stuff. And that's just a natural, you know, I don't want to say role, because when you say role, people start to get mad. <laughs> but that's just a natural thing, like it's a natural feeling for a woman to want someone bigger than them, because the men are supposed to be the protectors in the, you know, in the hetero relationships, at least, or whatever. I guess I mentioned that, because that's not a whole other uh, dynamic. <laughs> roles, but, gender roles. Yeah, that's yeah. a whole other dynamic. But that's why you felt like that. So social media has done something like, I, I could speak on the men or the women. Let's, let's go for the men. For the men, they feel like um, they have to have these superficial things to attract women. So I got to get my money up. I got to, you know, get some jewelry. I got to get these followers. I need at least 100 likes. I need this and that. I got to look like I'm, you know, bossed up and doing all these things so I can attract women, which basically takes them away from their natural role of pursuing 
knowledge, innovation, things to protect the community and just, you know, create this utopia that I was speaking about earlier. And it's distractions, basically. It's all distractions. So that's what it does for men. For women, oh, wait, and another thing for men is that it makes them feel like they have access to all these women that they don't know. That's why you, I've seen women's DMs. Like, I'll see, and I'm just like, what? Like, all these dudes are just, you know, they feel like they can, they feel more comfortable doing that when they probably seen the same girl out in person and didn't say a word. Like, I've seen DMs where it's like, hey, I saw you earlier. I didn't want to say nothing. I didn't want to bother you. But, yo, I'm here now. Why would you do that? Like, that's lame, you know? <laughs> but it removes the possibility of being embarrassed publicly. Sure, absolutely. But as a man, I'm not saying, I'm not someone who does it. I don't go there and holler at women in, in person or something. I would make a conversation or something if I feel like, you know, that window is there. But I'm not going to go out and just do that. But at the same time, you got to see, you have to understand the perspective of who you're pursuing. Initially, the woman chooses you. Yeah, with marriage, the dude chooses the woman, but the woman has to choose you first. So if the, most women have said they don't like when a dude does that because it, lo- it looks like you lack confidence, you know? So, you know, I agree with you. It removes the public embarrassment, but, man, you got to build that thick skin, and that's the part of being a man. But on the flip side of that coin, mm-hmm. looking at social media, people throw it out there. Oh, he's saying this now or she's saying that now. Let me show you what they were saying in my DMs. Sure. That affects your confidence. If you and I, if I have a conversation with you via your DM, that's just, that's direct message. That's what DM stands for. Right. That was from me to you. Mm-hmm. So you as an intelligent person with a little bit of fortitude or whatever, just say, hey, you know what? This is between me and you. It shouldn't be used as something to embarrass the guy and shake his confidence. And then at the same time, whether you know it or not, other dudes may be like, this is the type of person she is? Or this is the type of person right, she is? Right. Mm-hmm. And they may be scared to approach you in the future because... You're exposing your privacy, you know, private issues. So, I mean, wait, so what, what are you saying with that? It You're also saying, depends on the situation of to like... Yes, some women do that unprovoked, like, oh, look at this person in my DMs, blah, blah, blah. But there's also women who do that because the guy is talking crazy about her publicly, like, yeah. and you want me she to just see, see you, right, you just want me to see her and be publicly humiliated while you just look like, oh, no, yeah, but, no, uh, sir. Yeah, depends on the situation. Understand <laughs> all of this affects how you deal with yourselves and the people that could possibly be your mate. Right. Now, for me, what I'm saying is balance. If I send you a DM, now I come from an era of having to interpersonal communication. Um, yeah, <laughs> I come from an era pre cell phones. So I saw a picture on the internet talking about you know blocking someone on the phone, and it was the rotary dial phone. They took it off the receiver. That's hilarious. But you know nowadays, again, there's a million different things that can take place before, during, and after that makes you think, hey, going forward, I'm going to try to do this so I can avoid that. Or I'm going to do this so I can get this particular outcome. Adapting. Which is cool. But is the adapting good, though, where dudes or people would prefer to DM you as opposed to approaching you in public? Well, I think I am personally an advocate because I've, you know, playing a few of my exes, I've met them on social media and I've seen them in person and stuff and that's why I was comfortable going into DMs because I've actually talked to you before in real life. But what I'm saying is that if you, <laughs> a lot of dudes are shooting from half court on this because it's the internet. And so it's just like, there's nothing wrong with playing a field. Like 
My old roommate does it. He used to DM 20 women in one night. He was like, man, three of them are going to hit me back at least. He's doing it, but he's he's using it. He's doing it strategically. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not thirsty like that. It's not actually thirsty because it's like, I don't I don't get affected one way or another if they don't respond to me. He knows what he's doing. A lot of dudes nowadays are, they um, they get take stuff personal, like all this stuff, like DMing the women and all that. And I, what I was saying initially was that it makes the dude, it gives them this, you know, it's kind of fake confidence that they want to have in real life. That you got to have both. It's the balance you're talking about. I think you got to have both. I'm not saying if you wouldn't have went up to, like, if you're not someone who will go up to in real life, you shouldn't DM her. Because it's different. Some people are more comfortable DMing. But you can't place all, like, you can't be all of an internet person and none of a real life person. You got to have, you know, a little bit of both. I agree. You know what I mean? And that's how I approach it initially, or at least right now, so... I definitely feel like this is a day and age where people lack interpersonal communication, like just as a whole. And I'm a, I'm a person, um, I love to have conversations. I love to talk about weird shit like outer space and like, I like to talk about science and theories and stuff like that. Um, so I'm what you call a sapio demisexual, meaning if you're intelligent and, um, I have feelings for you, or like I grow feelings for you. I'm, you know, we can try it. You know what I mean? But if you're not intelligent and you don't, you have no interpersonal communication skills and you're not really trying to fix it, you don't really, you just very like, I can't, I don't know how people live like that. Yeah, antisocial, stand out yeah. I mean, I'm kind of antisocial, um, but it's like, it's, there's a time and a place. I'm good with people, but I'm not a people person. Does that make sense? Yeah. I love people. I don't always like people. <laughs> so nine times out of 10, I'm very, very good with people, but I have a um, meter. I have a social media, a meter. I have a, right? <laughs> I have a social meter. And when that's gone, it's just gone. And I sometimes will shut down. But um, with the people closest to me, I'm my, my biggest, most liveliest self. I'm goofy, I'm da da da. But, um, you know, I have a gauge for that, and my gauge for that is my circle. You so, know have what you, I mean? has social media affected how you date? From, you know, I, you said, you know, you have however many you have, but you were old enough to see the change in dating mm-hmm. because of social media. So, how has it affected you as a woman? Um,. I I tried like the online thing. It just I'm not really into it like that. I just like to see people in person because I'm very much an observer. I like to observe your mannerisms and your facial expressions and the way that you talk and the way that you move when you talk and what you you know what I mean. Body language. Yes, I need to see that. Um, How do you get that if you're pursuing your entrepreneurial pursuits? If you're in school. If you're trying to start your business, right. you're a busy person. I am. Where do you have time to go out to watch people? Um, here's the thing. <laughs> um, watch people. <laughs> here's the, nah, I don't just be going out like, let me just watch this person. But no, um, you make time for what you want to make time for. And if I feel like you would be a valuable asset to my life, whether you're my friend, whether you're a family member, or whether you're a potential um, person that I would like to be with in a relationship, I will make time for that. I will make time. So one thing I've noticed a lot, I've heard these conversations recently is that, you know, women are busier than ever. They're, you know, more bossed up than ever. They have a lot going on. And do you plan on having kids? I do. 
So, I, I've always wanted to be a mom. So if you got pregnant and everything, like, I don't know how, how much of the pregnancy period that you really can't physically do stuff, but if everything got halted for, what, four months or however long, how do you feel like, would you be able to adapt to that? Or how do you see that panning out? Um, okay, so I'm going to preface this with that. Um, I, before I have kids, I want to at least have a house and a foundation. And I would like to be married. I know that's kind of like not how things, like people just don't care these days, right? People don't care these days. Like (laughs) me and all my friends, we have different preferences. Like for example, I wanna be a mother and a wife equally. Some people are like, I can do it out the husband, but I would love to be a mother and have a good, (laughs) no, I mean, I mean, it's not technically, if you want like, if you want kids, but, and you, it's not necessarily saying that they don't want the dad in, in their life. They're just saying like, if it doesn't happen for them, they wouldn't be completely like ups, upset about it. I mean, in either way, like, That's terrible. I kind of, <laughs> kind of set myself up to like be happy either way. But anyways, um, I equally want to be a mother and a wife. Um, so a lot of things I do, um, Obviously, first, they're for myself, but secondary, they're for my husband, my future husband and my kid. And I feel like um, I feel like one of the biggest things that ends relationships is people getting comfortable with their like, oh, in a relationship and letting themselves go. And I don't ever want that to be the case. I want to keep on progressing. I want to keep on looking finer for my man. I want my man to be proud of me at all times. And I know that people are going to have their disagreements or whatever, but like at the core of things, I want him to be like, damn, she, she's a fucking beast, bro. That's my woman right there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, I forgot what the question was to be honest with you. Pregnancy throwing off your derailing all the stuff you got going on. Cause a lot of, one thing I noticed from watching that is a lot of women don't really take that into consideration when they plan on being CEOs, this and that. Right. Uh, later on. Okay, so answer that. Okay, so um, of course, I don't think you could ever fully prepare to bring a human life into the world, okay? Um, I definitely think that I am going to, I don't think I'm going to completely be derailed because I've already thought about it. I thought about my mental health. I thought about what resources I want to have. And there's so many resources, so many more resources that we have access to these days for pregnancies. Um, there's something called a postpartum doula, which they help you get your life on track after you have your kid and make sure you don't fall into postpartum depression and things like that. Like I want to, and that's why I want to have resources so that when I do get into that place, I will have the resources that I need to move forward in my businesses and um, to even if I want to take the time that I need. And that's why I want to be a business owner in, in general. How do you think you can handle accomplishing your goals and dreams, mm-hmm. but not in the order that you want them to be accomplished? I've already started that. I've already started ad- adapting to that. Um, we always got plans. <laughs> we always got plans. And I'm a very meticulous planner. I found out very quickly after high school, I think, that plans don't always go to what they're supposed to be. And you can do everything you're supposed to do. I did everything I was supposed to do. I got into every college I applied for, um, but I decided I wanted to go to USF. 
And um, for some reason or whatever, um, they messed up my paperwork and they couldn't fix it for whatever reason. So I ended up having to go to community college. That was heartbroken. Because I was like, I did all this work, da, 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 but honestly, it ended up being better for me. Because... I was going to say, I wish I would have went to see it before UCF because I would have been good at it. It was a blessing in disguise. But like at the time, I was like heartbroken. And then I learned just throughout life that no matter what happens, you have to learn to adapt to whatever's thrown in your way. Um, so at this point in time, I take things day by day and I do what I'm supposed to do. And at the end of the day, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and I'm taking care of myself, things will go in a positive direction. And that's the goal. Hmm. That sounds, <laughs> sounds good though. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, the plans aren't ever as exactly planned, but I don't know. It's a lot to think about. Were you going to add to the question? I forgot what the question was again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I asked that question is because everybody has to live their life the best way they see fit. Of course. Your parents, your guardians, your elders, they can tell you whatever they want, but it's all based off of their experiences at a particular point in time. Mm -hmm. So your mom can say, oh, when I was... In my twenties, and you're going. Man, you was in your twenties in 1960. That's it doesn't translate <laughs> to 2000. You know, 2021. So your elders having a conversation with you about what their life was like. In your head, you're listening to them going. There was no internet. There was no cell phone. There was no social media. All the things that you have now that clearly have an effect on what you got going on. Mm -hmm. Your dreams, your goals, like you said, you started off at a larger educational institution. It didn't work out. You Try. wanted that. Mm -hmm. And here's the question. I mean, you Why USF you now. College? But yeah. You said you got into every college you applied for, but the question is, and I mentioned this to a gentleman here the other day, mm -hmm. I saw a video where a gentleman asked people, what is your why? So mm -hmm. for you guys, if you wanted to get into college to get a degree, what difference does it make whether you were in Hillsborough Community College or USF? Right. And I, I learned that later on. I learned that later on that an associate's degree is an associate's degree, and I have it. Right? Regardless of where I got it from, I did the work to get it from an accredited institution nonetheless. Um, I definitely think that college is way overhyped. And um, I definitely think that parents and teachers need to have more conversations about being realistic about college. Because just like Delga, I don't believe college is for everyone. Like I said, if you're not going for a certain purpose sometimes, I really do feel like it's a scam. Like for example, like I'm not trying to say that people with business degrees have been scammed, but a lot of them have been scammed, okay? Unless you went for like something like business accounting, something you can't really like, you can't really fully learn without the system then you're being scammed but on the <laughs> flip side as a person with a degree in business if you go for a degree in accounting right wouldn't that possibly pigeonhole you what do you mean if you have a degree in accounting and you apply to be something else a chemist oh i see i see what you're saying so the business one's more broad giving you more opportunities but no, I, there's pros and cons to what is being said 
I don't think that there's, um, okay, so I learned and I'm still learning. Um, if you know the value of yourself, you're really the only one who can pigeonhole you. To, like your I, degree? Well, well, okay, no, I agree because but, I found out later on that a lot of politicians started off as lawyers. Yeah, I was and like, like how did you get to politics from there? And I thought you had to be a political scientist. I don't even know why it's political science. Right. But I thought you had to have that degree to get to that point. So. And nine times out of ten, they're looking for real-world experience. So, um, but STEM say, is different. STEM is different. It definitely is. Um, so say, say you are in business accounting and you want to be a chemist. Um, the best way to do that is to look for internships. To look for paid inter every science internship is paid. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Nice. Every science internship is paid because it's hard work. Yeah. It's hard work as opposed to being um, as uh, opposed to other internships in different fields. Um, so you're saying there is a way. So there's always a way. It's you have to figure it out. You have to figure it out. Okay, agreeing that you can spin your career desires into another direction. Right. I believe no matter what education you get, it's not a waste. Never, no. No, I wasn't saying, as in a scam, I mean that if you are going to be putting yourself in more debt than you can ever get out of, and you are going to be stressed about that debt for the rest of your life, what was the value and when you could have just learned it on the outside and been less stressed and you didn't even go into your field nine times out of ten. So that's reason, my point. And to add on that, the only reason, because if just if that was just, you know, definition, then that wouldn't make it a scam. The reason it is a scam, I believe, to an extent, is because it's advertised differently. It's also to an extent. Yeah, it's advertised. Yeah, and it's, but it's advertised as if you, can't, if you don't go to college, you ain't going to do nothing. And that's you ain't not true. Never be nothing. And that's how, at least, you know, when I was in 2000s, right. whatever, that's how it was advertised to me. And but so... if you want to go to school and get a degree in business and open a business, then how is it a scam? That's what I'm saying, though. That's that's why I said to an extent. But that's yeah. why I said what I said. And it's very expensive. I why said, if a you're... Book, 150 bucks right. when you can find it over And that's my biggest... That's why that, that the expense is what I'm saying. If you are ultimately going to be stressed out about this debt and you're not going to make your money back, then to me... The the risk was greater than the reward, and I feel like that's a scam. Maybe it's a it's a. Bit, I <laughs> but that's just me. That's business. my personal opinion, and I don't think that it. I think it's, the problem is people don't look at college for what it is, which is it's a business. It is, and that's another thing. Because there's a their water bottles at a football game are five bucks, unnecessarily. Right. They're running it up. Those de those people are rich. Right. And so, but we have to understand that, and I think it's kind of you know. It's terrible that people are, don't realize that we're in America <laughs> and they're questioning why like college is so And education is free almost everywhere else. Like college exactly. is free like almost everywhere else. So, I mean, I think we should re reward okay, it. Okay, so let's ask this Reward question. it from scammers. Because I've seen somebody posted this on social media mm -hmm. a long time ago. If I'm selling you a product right. and it's $10.99 and it's $3 for shipping, that makes it thirteen ninety nine, right? <laughs> but if I sell you said product for thirteen ninety nine with free shipping, that looks is better. It really free? Yeah. No. <laughs> but mean, it looks better. It looks better, right? And and the, just to add on to what Delgado said about um, college being a business, just like he said, a lot of people aren't prepared. 
he went into college thinking it was going to be like high school bell this about a schedule no you're not coddled and your professors nine times out of ten don't even really give a shit about you like not to be like you know mean but like they oh, don't let's ask this question so um it's not really about fault it's about what it is and what is it um that we're, exactly what we're talking about right now okay, it's so not really about fault institution mm-hmm. and i want you to come to you know if, I, if i'm a dean so you're saying you how is it creating a scam knowingly okay you keep By saying scam. <laughs> i'm just saying well how is it creating an un- i feel like it's just unfair like I, I mean, and I, I think that, I mean, even if you don't even get your college degree, you still have to pay for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, so it's a, <laughs> it's a business, right? It's not marketed. College is not marketed as a business. Yes, That's what is. I'm saying. The minute you're told you have to pay a fee. <laughs> now listen, listen, listen. This In is a non-Western <laughs> way of looking at it. And, I get it, because you're you're originally you're not like Americanized. Right. As, as Americanized as you are, you're not Americanized. And you went for Saint Croix. All right, did you go to college there, or you went? Yeah. So you went somewhere else, and <laughs> you were straight up about. It. That's one thing I noticed about people who aren't like Islanders or Nigerians or Africans. They are blatantly like, how do you not see this? How are you distracting? Like we call it a scam. I noticed this because I used to say all the time, college is a scam forever. But when you look think, at it, it is like conditional scam. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you can't you can't do that. <laughs> it has to be this or it has to be that. When you think about it, we know that we're paying thousands of dollars. We see the tuition numbers. We see this, and they're saying just get a scholarship or whatever. So we can't say it's a scam if we know what we're getting into. A scam is being fooled by something like a Ponzi scheme. Or yeah, something you're right. Like that, you okay. I mean? okay, so it's more like. But that's why I said it becomes it's a scam more, when it's advertised. It's not advertised as a business. It's more like okay, so my it's thing is that it's, the price on the website. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's more that I feel that um, it's more that I feel like people should tell them the the real hard facts about whatever. Um, Come the side effects of their business. Yeah, no but business does that well, not I mean, well, not not just that, <laughs> but I really think that. Maybe people should think about um, educating themselves. The I just want people to outweigh the, the risk to reward, risk to reward, oh, and it's not the institution's fault all the time, but it's also it's also parents and teachers and stuff like that that don't really tell us the real about what things will be in college. So it's not all on the institution. It's a community that has glamorized this college lifestyle without telling me like for example this is going to be a really weird example you're probably not going to get it because you're not a girl but nobody told me about my period they glamorized it they're like oh it's this beautiful thing happens when you become a woman nobody told me (laughs) the real (laughs) nobody told me what was really going to happen so i'm thinking wow this is great like i can't wait for this to happen and then like you know what i'm saying so it's stuff like that like they're glamorizing it without telling you, like, hey, the, this is the real, and it's not for everybody. Like, okay, understanding that it's not for everyone. Right. And again, I'm coming from a perspective of, yes, I would, minus the period part. <laughs> <laughs> I was where you, you guys are at a particular point in time. But I can almost guarantee 
that there are people that you've encountered in your life that have said things to you about college, about feminine issues, but you didn't listen. No. So are you telling me, based on the type of person you've given me the impression that you are, mm -hmm. that you had conversations with people about school, about business, about entrepreneurship, and no one has ever said to you that your business idea Well, I was speaking about people in general. I wasn't necessarily speaking about my personal experience. I was speaking about people in general. I don't think that teachers and parents really prepare people to go to college, and they don't. And that's why when they get there, they're overwhelmed, and they've never had to make a real decision in their life, a real adult decision in their life. Me, I grew up making adult decisions, and I grew up having to have my shit together. So that was just like a level up. It was just like a, like if you are playing a video game and you on level 109 is going to a level 100, you know, 13 too far off for you, you feel me? Like even if you skip a couple of levels, that's what it was like for me. I was, all, I was already in the mindset of being um, independent and making adult decisions because okay, so I had to. This question. What is the difference between high school and college in terms of the basics? Right. Minus, I understand, and probably when you're in high school, you lived in your parents' house, they probably made sure you got up, got dressed, had something to eat, went to school. When you're Minus actual, that, actual school? Yes, actual, like going to class, taking a test and passing it. What is the difference between high school and college? One um, of them you're being led. The other one you have to lead yourself. And that's... By who? You're being led by... Because if you're in the hallway in between the classes, you're going to get in trouble, so you know where you need to be. There is repercussions for not being at the place in time. You can literally in college skip class and not go for a month. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's repercussions. There's repercussions, but it's on you, and it's not like you're gonna go to the principal's office or go. Your to parents can literally go to jail if you don't go to school. Yeah, that's too. <laughs> like you, there's real like so. It's they put more effort into making sure that high school students and stuff like that have more support in going to school and stuff like that. But also, one of the biggest things is that people don't know the resources they have in college because these college institutions are huge and they do offer a plethora of benefits that they one don't always talk orientation. about. So you see it one time at orientation and, and like, you never oh, see it again. Resource? But you got to be a resourceful person too, which they don't teach you in high school no. outside of. If you haven't been, and, and that's one thing I am, you know, lucky for, like, because I was in life or death situations, not saying that this is like great, but it taught me a lot. Like when I, I learned how to move through life based off of life or death situations and surviving. So because I had that skill, I was already ahead of the game in a lot of ways. I was already like... When I decided I wanted to move out, I got up like five bands in two months by myself, just cleaning houses for rich people. Mm -hmm. I took the initiative and did that by myself and moved out. I was like, bye mom, love you. Kisses, like. But how did you meet these rich people? Um, well, because my mom's, um, <laughs> my mom's boyfriend, um, fiance, he, I, he lives in a well-off area. And then so my mom ended up making friends in that area and one of those friends had a cleaning business. And so then she allowed me to help her with her cleaning business and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Okay, so you got a hookup. Oh, definitely. How many people have that though? 
Yeah, I'm saying. That's why I said I'm lucky. I already said that. I'm, I'm definitely lucky, um, but I'm also resourceful. You know, I'm also, I'm also very resourceful. Like, I've been homeless before. I've, I've seen, like, I have really good survival skills. I still am very street smart as well as intelligent by reading books and listening to people like you. Like, it's, there's value in everything, and I find it because I'm hungry for it. So, you know. All right. As we look to wrap this up, we've covered my list of interests. We've talked about dating. We've mm-hmm. talked about how your life has shaped you, where you've been, what you've done, the effect that your family and friends have had on you, social media. We have an idea of where you want to go. We have an idea of how you're going to get there. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Social media, so people can contact you. <laughs> Delgado beats eight one three all over the place. Stop playing with me. Nah. Um, <laughs> as far as uh, the wrapping up, the final thoughts. Um, I think that more people, more Black people around the world, not even just America, need to get in tune with um, you know our real intelligence, our real yes. spiritualities our roots, you know what I mean? I do think that more people need to look into, uh, what's the word? Uh, I don't really know how to describe the, you know, the lane, but it's just, you know, chakras and, you know, meditation and all that. Really just getting control of your Peace mind. Peace and spirituality. Peace and spirituality, exactly. And having control of your mind because people don't realize that a lot of disease, a lot of, you know, just negativity, like it, it cultivates in your mind before it actually happens in uh you know in person and your brain's a powerful tool so i think a lot of more people in general just need to understand and exercise the brain and just put more emphasis on that and you know they, that gets taken away by distractions social media you know unnecessary relationships or television. whatever television mm-hmm. yeah just anything like literally the light that emits from TVs and stuff are, are damaging to your eyes and to and the eyes are what connected to the brain. So I think a lot they of people They also use mind control. Like, and that's a real thing, it's patented. Mm-hmm. I can literally send you the link to the government patent. Of mind control? Oh uh, yeah, like there's, um, it interrupts your brain waves so that, you know, you and watch it. We <laughs> think of something like mind control, we think of like Professor X from X-Men or something I know, like right? Like some like, TV shit. Yeah, it's like, no, it's a lot smaller it's, than that. And it's... It's little, subtle, tiny cues. Yeah, that create... Over time. Yeah, exactly. Over time, it creates a way bigger thing. So that's what I want to add. I think we all need to tap into our spirituality. Look up the seven chakras. We definitely need to look up, uh, study the ancient pyramids, study people, humans before, you know, a certain time period mm-hmm. and study the earth and connecting with the earth, reconnecting with the earth, mm-hmm. you know, and just have an understanding of our atmosphere that we live on. My name, um, my artist name is Sabri Mirage, which is my first and my middle name Mirage, like a Mirage in the desert. Um, my handles are all Sabri underscore Mirage, S-A-B-R-I-E underscore M-I-R-A-G-E. Um, and the things that I have to add is that um, I will be having a YouTube. I can't even speak. I will have a YouTube channel called Tea Time Talks, um, and there's going to be special ep- episodes called Black Tea, where we talk about um, black men and women and the discords that we have between black men and women, 
And uh, some of it's gonna be pretty spicy. I would like to have Delgado on I'm out there. <laughs> I would like to have him on there as well because he's very intelligent and he has really, um, really important views on things. And I think that he speaks for a lot of men when he says certain things. Um, I definitely think that in this day and age, I think social media has created an unrealistic view of relationships, men and women on both sides. Um, and it's, I really think that people, just like he said, need to get back to the core of like who we are and what we are. Like a lot of people, it's weird, like, and it's a little scary to see that some people get their personality from social media. Like it's mad weird. Like mm -hmm. people don't know who they are without it. If you don't know who you are without, without something or someone, then there's a problem. And a lot of people don't want to address that. That's why a lot of people don't like being alone with their thoughts because you're your own worst company. Yep. And you refuse to address it. We're going to talk about them psychedelics. Ooh, we're going to talk about it. Not yeah. on here, though. This is, yeah. This is Gary's show. I'm sorry, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I wanted to say. And I appreciate being on here. This was dope. I'm always open to having uh, conversations like this is freaking dope. Same, same.